It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. They are, and one of them, some of those things we're fighting for are elections, fair and free. And I've been telling you repeatedly that the primaries are the most important thing for you to get involved in if you're a conservative. If you do not get involved in primaries, your candidate will never make it to the general election. And uh, that's a, and also, uh, we have been telling you that you need to sign up to work at these polling places uh, and take a, take a job doing that. Don't just be a volunteer. Take it seriously. And when you do that, you can be on the front line of defending our free elections. Next week, the first two primaries, at least not, not the first two, but uh, the next several that are going to be taking place start next week on Tuesday. There'll be a primary in Ohio and one in Indiana. And so I'm going to do my best to kind of generate interest in you and encourage you. Go to Ballotpedia. That's a great place to go to see who's running, the particulars of the voting rules in your state, but also information about the candidates, uh, that it's completely neutral, Ballotpedia is, and you can make a good a good decision at least about their general position on the issues. If you want some more information about that, go to American Family Associate American Family uh, Pack. Go to our website. So we have a voter guide. It's an iVoter guide, and it is a great source of information on the candidates. So that will help you. But also, probably most of you know someone in your community who knows a little bit about the politics of your area, somebody that you trust, not just anyone. Uh, and so um, go to them and figure out and help those candidates win. We have some great stories to tell you today. We've got some really great stories and then some challenges that we're going to present to you. But I hope by the time you finished listening today, you are motivated to roll your sleeves up and get involved. We've been talking to our friend Terry Dietrich in Waukesha County, Wisconsin, for a long time. Uh, Terry has is the Republican Party chairman there, but he's an uncommon Republican Party chairman. Terry, it isn't often that I talk to Republican chairman because, generally speaking, I'm not a fan of the establishment Republicans, but you are not one of them. You are, but you aren't. Uh, you're deeply rooted in the party, and you have led Waukesha County uh, really to, to go to the right and to really hold to the principles of the um, the platform of the Republican Party. And for that, I personally thank you. And thank you for joining me this morning. Great to be with you, Sandy. Can I ask you some general questions about Wisconsin first? Sure. You've got a lot of races coming up, and I think your primary is not till August, right? Something like that? Correct. Yep, first All week right. in August. Yeah, so you've got, what do you think are the most contested races? The governor's race comes to my mind. Can you just tell us what's going on with that? Sure. I, I don't know if you know, but yesterday, I think it was officially made uh, clear yesterday, that Tim Michaels, a uh, private businessman, uh, uh, owner of a family-owned, co-owner of a family-owned uh, construction business here in Wisconsin announced that he's also running for governor. So we've got himself wow. and uh, 
and Becky Clayfish and Tim Rantham and, and a, a few other candidates. So it's a very crowded field. And now we have uh, Kevin Nicholson as well. And now we've got a crowded field of, uh, let's just say, kind of establishment versus uh, outsider uh, candidates. So it's uh, it's going to be a dogfight right to the end here. And we're, we're entering the sprint and we're, what, two and a half weeks away from our state convention. So it's going to be very contentious uh, as I see it. Wow. Oh, that's interesting, Terry. I didn't know about the yep. state convention coming up. We're going to be talking about what Michigan just had their state convention. They had an amazing result. I don't know if you've been following that, but we, we're going to talk about that later on in the show today. Um, I'm curious to know, you know, Wisconsin has had a lot of great hearings and a lot of really good follow-ups to the 2020 election. Uh, and you had a, have a, uh, one of the justices of the Supreme Court leading, Gableman, I think his name what right. is. Yep, Justice um, Gable, yep. Yeah, so my question, though, is from your perspective, has this concern about voter integrity and what happened in 2020 gotten down into the DNA of regular Wisconsinites? Do you think that people are aware, or did they poo-poo the notion still that there could have been anything nefarious uh, in 2020? Yeah, I I think there's very clear general consensus around the state. In fact, here we are, Waukesha County, the largest red county in the state, and we just did a recent poll with, uh, I think it was about 600 Republicans, 100 Democrats. Um, neutral poll, I mean, a, a, a very credible uh, organization came in uh, and asked the simple question, what were the top five issues to walk a Sean's uh, in the county here going into the, this uh, summer and fall? And the number one issue was still election integrity. So it hasn't gone away. It's very clear to people that this is just a very irregular state. Fraud took place. Our, our election system is absolutely broken uh, from top to bottom as far as most people are concerned. Even Democrats will admit uh, this fact. But the, the, the unfortunate aspect of this is that we haven't had a DA in the entire state who's, who's taken a case and actually charged anyone. And it's just a shame because it seems like <laughs> just a nonstop effort by you know, conservatives in the state to continue to expose uh, the irregularities and, and the clear evidence. And, and unfortunately, our, our court system hasn't, hasn't taken any of this and, and gone to the next step. And, you know, our legislature in general has, has put bills on the desk of Governor Evers, our Democratic governor. Uh, we call him like Joe Biden, too. Uh, and, and he's vetoed every single one of them. So there's been no progress made. Um, you know, the, the kind of the conventional way to clean up our state election laws and, and going into the fall. So we did manage uh, through our Supreme Court in a very slim margin. We did manage to uh, outlaw drop boxes, which was a big step forward. But there's still t- many, many things that have to be cleaned up in the state statute. And unfortunately, we haven't made a lot of progress on that. So we have to win the governorship. We do that. We own the legislature. We 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 have control of the uh the governor's mansion, and at that point, we clean up the uh, election laws. Before that, I'm just not sure where we're going to be. Terry, uh, we want to have time to talk about what you just accomplished, which was amazing. But let me ask first: Don't you think that um, having people work at the polls is a, a tremendous antidote to that voter fraud? If people will just it's sign very, up, very very helpful. Yes, yeah. very helpful. In fact, we had a record number of poll inspectors. You know the folks who actually sit there and handle the ballots and are actually deputized. We, we trained 180 or so of those uh, individuals for, for this spring election, and we'll probably double that by this fall. So there's a tremendous excitement by the 
the electorate to get involved with both poll inspectors and election observers. So that's a good sign. The, uh, the, the drop box is being closed. The clerk's being told, look, we're serious about this and we're watching what's going on. And, you know, there's a law and you need to abide by it. So we've made progress in that way. The narrative, the optics on it is much, much better than it was a year ago. And the fact that people are really, really paying attention. But what we've got to do in this state, though, is we've got to clean up the state statute itself. And okay. hopefully that can come sooner rather than later. Absolutely. All right. Well, for uh, several months, maybe even a year, you've been talking to us on the air about your WIS Red initiative. And you've trained a lot of our listeners around the country. You've trained them in your methods. Uh, and you guys just had, I don't even know what to call it. It's your spring. It's not the re- general election. It's a, what do you call the, the uh, well, election it's, it's that our, you just it's had? Our, yeah, it's our spring local elections. Unlike other states uh, that I believe have them periodically throughout the year, we have one day, April 5th, and then, of course, a two-week early, early voting period that is for every single local elected office statewide. And so it's a very exciting time. It, it really felt, literally, it felt like a fall election. It felt like a, a gubernatorial statewide uh, this spring. It was just tremendous. So here in Waukesha County, I'm so pleased to tell you, last year, spring of 21, across Waukesha County, we had 118 candidates and we won 100 races. That was about an 84% win rate of conservative red candidates we supported this this year starting in last October and going all the way through spring and on April 5th, we were we had a, a larger number of races, about 180 races instead of about 130 last year. This time we recruited, vetted, uh, and filed 150, 172 candidates, excuse me. And on April 5th, I'm proud to announce that we won 151 races, an 87% win rate. We absolutely swept every single school board seat, everyone in the county. And we took the majorities of every single school board, except one, which we'll come back and clean up next year, but we won the two, two seats that we could win. We swept the entire county of every single school board. Wow. You know what? In the old it, days, the I big, had a- <laughs> the biggest win ever in the history of the state of Wisconsin. Never been done before in a county and local races. Never. This is where I used to have a button uh, when I did radio in Chicago where I could press a button and it would have this massive applause. <laughs> and that's what I would do. Yeah. But let me just do this. It's just me. But people around the country, man, yeah, Terry, that is incredible. That is incredible. Well, that Congratulations is, it, it to was, you. Well, thank you so much. And I'll tell you what, what's so exciting about it is the people spoke. It, it, the, the Democrats fought every tooth and nail, uh, by tooth and nail, looking at us and saying we were, we were partisan and they were nonpartisan. They were spending money. They were, they were just ridiculing our candidates. It was really, really ugly, I have to say. Uh, the, the entrenched bureaucrats and the lefties were just brutal in this race. And at the end of the day, the people clearly spoke. The margins were so big. In these races, the municipal and the school board races, our candidates run one by 12, 15, 20 percent, 30 percent, absolutely crushed the other side. And the beauty also was that we drove last year, we drove the, the turnout from about 17 percent of spring elections, which was quite low, embarrassing over the last 20 years in our county and statewide. We drove that up to 34 percent last year. This year, 
the voter turnout in a spring election in, in Waukesha County was over 42%. Almost 50% of our voters voted in a spring election, and in some cases, in some of our municipalities, it was as high as 90%. You had lines going out the door. It looked exactly like a 2020 November election. It was absolutely incredible. The people were incensed, and they said, we're done with all of this game-playing and not non-transparency in our government. We're taking our government back. It was a beautiful sight. Terry, that gives, honestly, that gives me chills. It really does. This is the people taking back their government, taking, taking back, yeah. taking what they should have been doing, but now they're doing it. They're awake. And I think in, in some ways, you know, uh, what you described, uh, the, the media and the courts ignoring the, the voter fraud and all of that has probably been helpful. It's made people so mad that they're not going to let yeah. this go. And so I think that's happening no. everywhere. I, we only have a couple of minutes here, so let me ask you, what tangible things do you expect to come from having taken all these seats? Yes. Well, for, first of all, what we're seeing is that our, um, our, our candidates now turn incumbents, and they're all being sworn in this week. So it's really neat to see them taking the oath and then, and then coming up with new initiatives. But the bottom line is it's, it's the transparency side that people are expecting. I mean, they want to go to school boards, and they want to know that our school board members, our new school board members, are looking under the hood. We're, we're seeing fiscal issues in a lot of these schools, budgetary issues that are amazingly <laughs> uh, disturbing. Uh, we're seeing, obviously, the CRT and these types of things that are exposed, and I'm expecting that those school board members address those very uh, aggressively, which they will. But, but also, uh, you know, the, the teachers' unions, uh, the, the, uh, the advisory uh, associations connected with the left groups that have been involved with uh, re-signing superintendents and things like this at outrageous amounts of money is really, really piqued the interest of the citizens. And they're looking for transparency and good governance. So this is serious stuff. And people are taking it seriously, and they're, t- they're going to hold our people just as accountable and, and hold them to good governance. So we're very, very excited about it. You it's really be. an amazing revolution to see it, what's it, happening. It really, really is, Terry. All eyes will be on Wisconsin as we watch to see what's going to happen now in the general and also in your upcoming uh, 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 Republican convention. Terry Dietrich, chairman of the Waukesha Republican Party. <laughs> Congratulations, Terry. Thanks. All the Thanks best for to you guys. Me, All the best. God bless. Take care. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Donald Trump has officially endorsed U.S. Senate candidate J.D. Vance. J.D. is the conservative outsider who will continue Trump's fight to secure our borders, protect the unborn, get rid of the corrupt politicians, and stop Joe Biden. J.D. Vance, Marine, author of Hillbilly Elegy, President Trump's endorsed America First Conservative. Trump fought back, and so have I. Now I'll take our fight to the U.S. Senate. I'm J.D. Vance, and I approve this message. All right, Sandy Rios with you. We're going to Ohio now because their uh, primary is next Tuesday, May the 2nd. For those of you in Ohio, and I know lots of you are that listen to this show, and you have some very big decisions to make. That's J.D. Vance, who's running for Senate in Ohio, uh, and he has been endorsed by President Trump. Interestingly enough, a Trafalgar Group pollster says that if Trump endorses a candidate— 55% of Republican voters either are more likely or much more likely 
to vote for that candidate. So J.D. Vance has moved ahead in the polls quite a bit. You'll see in North Carolina, Ted Budd was endorsed by President Trump. Now he's way in the lead. And another racist around the country, which we'll talk about as things unfold. I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing. Some of us think this is not a good thing because the president doesn't always get the best advice. So some of you have to listen to, you've got to listen to other sources. Sometimes President Trump is spot on and sometimes he's not. So you can't let his recommendation be your sole evaluation. Uh, One of the uh, other competitors in that Senate race is Josh Mandel, who has been endorsed by all the family groups uh, in Ohio. And many people in Ohio are upset that President Trump has endorsed J.D. Vance. Mike Gibbons is also in the running. He's a businessman. I think he's running number three. This is the race to uh, replace Rob Portman, who is uh, retiring from the Senate. So let, uh, let's listen to this ad that's running uh, on behalf of Josh Mandel. Let's listen. I'm Jim Nalepa, National Chairman of Patriotic Veterans. As a West Point graduate and a combat veteran, I was stunned to hear J.D. Vance say, I don't really care what happens to Ukraine one way or another. Well, J.D. Vance, Americans do care about what happens in Ukraine. Women being raped, children being killed, five million refugees. I don't really care what happens to Ukraine one way or another. America must continue to help supply the brave Ukrainians fighting against Putin's genocide. J.D. Vance, do you care about Poland, Lithuania, Latvia, Israel, or other freedom-loving nations that look to America for leadership and support? Your cavalier and reckless comments about the war in Ukraine show you are not ready for the U.S. Senate. That's why Patriotic Veterans endorses Josh Mandel. Josh Mandel, a proven fighter for freedom at home and abroad. All right, so that's just uh, two candidates that I wanted to bring to your attention. Uh, there's an outlet in, uh, it's the Beacon Journal in Ohio that says of Mandel that uh, Mandel's simple message has been that he is pro-God, pro-gun, and pro-Trump. Uh, so uh, that kind of gives you, kind of lays down the fight. I've asked Paul Caprio to join us this morning. Uh, Paul is the founder and uh, CEO of Family Pack Federal, also the founder of Patriotic Veterans, who paid for the ad that you just heard on behalf of J- uh, Josh Mandel, also the founder of One Nation Under God uh, Foundation. Paul, uh, thanks for joining us this morning, first of all. Thank you so much. Well, let, thank you for having me, Sandy. Let me ask, uh, why Why are people in Ohio, so so many of the family groups, so high on Josh Mandel? What, I mean, because J.D. Vance sounds like a pretty good candidate. Why are mm-hmm. they preferring Josh Mandel? Well, let me summarize it in terms of my experience with Josh. I first met him in 2012 at a businessman's luncheon in Chicago, and this was not. This was a group. A lot of Jewish liberal businessmen. First question out of the box, and I didn't know Josh at all. Never even met him. Just invited to this event. First question out of the box: Where do you stand on choice? Well, you know we know where that question's coming from. He stood up in front of this group, gave the most articulate defense of sanctity of life that I think I've ever heard from a political candidate. That's when we decided to support Josh Mandel. We have ever since. He stood up and fought for the heartbeat bill in Ohio. He stood up for Christian prayer which they have tried to take out of the state capitol. He stood up with moms and parents against critical race theory in the public school system here. He stood up time after time. There's no question 
about what a voter is getting if they vote for Josh Mandel. J.D. Vance has been all over the ballpark. He started out by telling everyone what an idiot uh, and imbecile he thought Donald Trump was. When it became convenient, all of a sudden, he decided that Donald Trump was the greatest president in his lifetime. And I can go on and on on different issues. But the point is, when the wind is blowing, J.D. Vance's finger is in the air. We don't need that kind of leadership in the U.S. Senate right now. We need strong people. He is supported by Ted Cruz. He's supported by Mike Lee. And he is supported by patriotic veterans. You know, I was, they keep reporting that J.D. Vance is way ahead in the polls, but I'm looking at the Real Clear Politics average, and I don't see that, unless I'm looking at the wrong date here, but I don't think I am. The, it looks like the RCP average, and they, they take different polls, the top three polls, and mix them together. And well, the average is Mandela's at 24, Gibbons at 18, and Vance at 17. Now, I don't know. What are your thoughts yeah. about? Well, as you know, Sandy, uh, President Trump came in for a rally Saturday night at which he endorsed J.D. Vance. Anecdotally, I'll just say I spoke to uh, one of the leaders of Ohio Values Voters uh, yesterday who was at the rally. He said, it's really interesting. He said, I saw 40 people walking out of that rally right past J.D. Vance's signs. Not one person took a sign coming out of the rally. And he said, if that doesn't tell you where the pro-family conservative community is, the grassroots community, uh, I don't know what does. And it certainly told me something. Um, so uh, I think, uh, you know, the, the grassroots groups, uh, and I'm not going to name them, they can speak for themselves. Uh, the person who's coming out of Ohio as a loser in this primary, regardless of whether Mandel wins or J.D. Vance wins, is Donald Trump, because Donald Trump has lost the grassroots pro-family conservative vote, and he is only going to be embarrassed in the future were J.D. Vance were to win the nomination. Well, that's interesting. So are you saying then that, according to the polls, you're saying that Josh Mandel still is ahead? This is accurate? The last, the, the, to my knowledge, in the past week, there's been no public polls released. The last poll, I mean, the candidates do polls and they leak them out, you know. So I don't give any credibility to any polls of that type, whether it's J.D. Vance or Mandel or Gibbons or anybody else. The last poll legitimate poll that was done that I'm aware of as of yesterday was the Trafalgar poll that was done about 10 days ago. Uh, it had Mandel at 28 and it had Vance at 23. And I believe Gibbons was at about 18 or 19. I don't have it in front of me. Yeah, you're but, right. I've got um, it in front of me. I, I, yeah. I, I would say, you know, in terms of undecided voters, first of all, let's keep in mind a lot of people who at this point are undecided wind up not voting in primaries. I don't see J.D. Vance has the backing of uh, Peter Thiel, this big San Francisco entrepreneur. That's his providing the money for J.D. Vance's campaign. That's his funding this. 
And uh, I would say, in, in terms of the primary, there there probably are, I would say the number of undecided voters has probably gone up since the president's endorsement, because a lot of people are trying to figure out, you know, what what's really going on? Why is Trump doing this, is what I hear. So uh, I think the final, you know, the final week of this is going to be decisive in terms of who comes out of the primary, who will be running against uh, Tim Ryan, uh, the, the Democratic nominee. Yeah. Well, I guess I, this is my perspective on it, for what it's worth. I, uh, I think you can really like Donald Trump and recognize that his choice of candidates is not always the best. We see that all the time. And, I, you know, I, this Peter Thiel, uh, he also is endorsing a candidate in Arizona whose name escapes me. It's for the Senate race. Blake, and the problem, Blake Masters. That's right. Yeah, Blake Masters. And uh, we have to investigate this a little bit more. But Peter Thiel, of course, is a, a very out gay uh, entrepreneur. He's, very, he's a conservative in other ways, but he doesn't really care much about the moral issues. And that's why my eyebrow goes up when I see him endorsing I recognize that J.D. Vance has made, in Ohio, has made some statements about life, that he, he's pro-life, and I don't doubt that. I'm, it's just a confusing thing to make your way through, Paul, because I always tell people to look who's supporting, who's financially supporting candidates, and that tells you something uh, about where they stand on the issue. So let's move on, because uh, that Tim Ryan now is leaving Congress, and he's running for the Democratic seat. Uh, he's running for the Senate seat. Uh, to to take Portman's seat, so he'll be, he'll be running whoever get, against whoever is the Republican candidate. He's leaving the 13th congressional district seat open, and there are lots of candidates in that. And I think that President Trump has endorsed Madison Gilbert, who worked in his campaigns. Janet um, Janet Folger is part of that. She's running also, uh, who is of course a friend to many yeah. pro life, pro family let, groups. Let me let me let me say something about that district. Yeah, please. Janet Folger was a leader. Uh, on the heartbeat bill, she's been a leader on, on pro-life for years. Um, this is a district. This is Summit and Stark County, by the way. Madison Gilbert uh, is uh, a very nice lady, I'm sure, but she has uh, she is endorsed by Trump. But here again, she has refused to fill out a pro-life or pro-family questionnaire. So, um, you know. That's that's the complexion of that race. Okay. Well, let's talk about uh, – let me ask you a couple of general questions, and I don't want to run out of time because I don't want to talk about the governor's race. But from your perspective, Paul, you know, uh, Ohio has been a pretty reliable red state, uh, generally speaking, in the last, I don't know how many years, 20 maybe. Um, do you see the grassroots as active in Ohio as, say, I just did an interview with Terry Dietrich. Wisconsin is burning up. So is Michigan with the activists. Are conservative activists activated in Ohio, you think, this time in, in more ways than they have been in the past? Um, they're activated, but they're somewhat split up. You know, they don't have, like, summit conferences in Ohio of all the groups saying, how can we work together? What's our strategy for this or that issue? Um, I think that's one of the problems I see. The other thing is, you see a lot of the state leadership in Ohio, these are the old rhinos. You've got Mike DeWine. We, you've got Frank LaRose, who just made a deal with Trump. And uh, he said, Trump, if you endorse me for Secretary of State, I'll endorse J.D. Vance. Uh, 
So they're all the statewide people are they're all rhinos. You know, I made the point. I said, you know, Ohio in Ohio, Trump has won twice by eight points. Trump won in Florida by a half a point and a point and a half in the last two elections. Yet in Florida, you know, other than Secretary of Agriculture, they all they have Ron DeSantis and conservatives in all the statewide offices. And that should tell you something, because this state now has turned um, uh, to a great extent because of Donald Trump into a clearly red state. But it's not reflected in the uh, leadership of the state. By the way, the Senate president, the Senate president here, a Republican, has just put out a, a letter telling all of his candidates do not fill out any Christian or pro-life questionnaires. And we're going to do something about that. Hey, all right. But before we leave this governor's race, because Mike DeWine has been a huge disappointment to me personally. I, I couldn't believe how he handled the COVID thing. For one thing, he pointed, what, a, a Barack Obama acolyte as his um, czar on all the decisions about how to handle COVID. So that that put Ohio, that was terrible what he did to Ohio. But he's still liked, he's still loved, he's still in the in the lead. What are your thoughts about that? And who else is challenging him? Well, I don't know how loved he is, because in the last poll that was done, uh, I believe this is Trafalgar, too, he was only at 43 percent. He's being challenged by Jim Renacci, former congressman, and also uh, a man by the name of Blystone. Blystone is a farmer. His farm is south of south of Columbus. He's got a beautiful farm and restaurant down there. Uh, Blystone, though, is uh, he's not really too certain as to where he is on uh, you know our our sort of uh, Christian conservative uh, family issues, uh, more of a libertarian bent. Um, so um, both of those, though, are actually if you put it together, they're pulling as much as DeWine. So I would say. A message is being sent to DeWine uh, that, you know, you're not as popular as you might think you are. And uh, there are other reasons, too, why conservatives don't like DeWine. DeWine was very late on the switch to bring the National Guard into Columbus before, oh, uh, yes. the, you know, Black Lives yeah. Matter uh, yeah. directly. All part of the town. So there's the music, and so that means I have to wind this up. But uh, the the primaries next Tuesday, and so uh, people need to where. What's a good source for information? What would you recommend people look at to make their decisions? Uh, well, a couple of voter guys. Value Voters has very good information uh, and an endorsement. Ohio Value Voters or Ohio Christian uh, Alliance. They both okay. have voter guides online. Okay. Excellent. Ohio Values Voters and Ohio Christian Alliance. Okay, thank you, Paul. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Well, these two that were chosen by state Republicans were endorsed by former President Donald Trump. State representatives in the party are saying the only way they have a chance to win this fall is if they can unite their party. And the Michigan Democratic Party fired back, saying that these candidates are going to protect former President 
President Trump rather than Michigan voters. And right now you're seeing a look at those candidates on your screen. Lawyer Matthew DeBerno will be the Republican nominee for Michigan Attorney General. And Christina Caramo, a community college instructor, will be the Secretary of State candidate. And both of these political newcomers support the claims from President Trump about his loss of the 2020 election. And this stance has drawn some criticism from some in the Republican Party. And these two will be officially nominated at another convention that's coming up in August, followed up by the general election on November 8th. All right, Sandy Rios with you. That was WLIX in Michigan reporting on what happened just this past weekend. But uh, I'd say it's a little, it was a little more exciting than she made it sound. And I've asked Ron Armstrong, who is one of the founders of Stand Up Michigan, the former mayor of Nuego, to join us this morning to talk about what just happened at the GOP state convention over the weekend. Ron, thanks for joining me this morning. Great to be here, Sandy. Let's talk about Michigan just in general. We've talked before, you and I, Ron, and I've covered Michigan a lot this past couple of years because of the COVID mess, uh, because of the investigations to the 2020 election and and all of that. And I have lots of friends in Michigan, so uh, I fancy that I know something about what's going on there. But I'm curious to know, the grassroots in Michigan are on fire. And I'm wondering if you think that's in a direct correlation to the lockdowns and horrible treatment uh, that was exacted upon people of Michigan by Governor uh, Whitmer and her attorney general and, and crew. How, how effective do you think they were in activating grassroots now? I think they were very active. I think there are two areas. Um, one, I would have probably said uh, the lockdowns, obviously, remember, they happened, of course, in 2020. And so I think the turnout we had in Michigan in the in the 2020 elections, which was huge, a lot a lot of new voters, and I think those were based certainly on the tyrannical lockdowns of our governor. She wanted to maintain power and control over all things, over all people, over all property, your businesses, individuals, uh, no in-person learning. I mean, we were we were literally one of the top three in uh, in in those lockdown situations, and I think uh, it certainly did wake up the general population, as well as, of course, it angered the existing grassroots that were there. And then it only got exacerbated um, when the 2020 election happened and what many people believe is is a fraud that happened in the election to the point where um, at least we needed to identify where that took place. And so election integrity and uh, individual rights and freedoms have uh, have risen up a brand new group of people. I think we're seeing it across the country, and Michigan certainly isn't any exception. Let me read something. This is from that uh, report by the 100% Fed Up on what happened over the weekend. And we're going to get to, I want you to tell us in a minute, but I wanted to kind of lay the groundwork here. And uh, reading from this article, for two years, Michigan Republicans begged their Republican-led House and Senate to conduct a serious investigation into voter fraud in the 2020 election. The lawmakers ignored their request. Michigan lawmakers also ignored over 7,500 affidavits from citizens demanding a forensic audit. Only months after, hundreds of Republican poll challengers came forward with accusations of voter fraud and irregularities. Michigan Senate Oversight Committee Chairman Ed McBroom issued a report on the 2020 election that claimed there was no evidence of widespread voter fraud in Michigan. And he didn't stop with accusing members of his own party of making claims up about election fraud. Republican Senator Ed McBroom actually asked Michigan's lawless Democratic Attorney General to consider investigating individuals who pushed false claims about the 2020 election to raise money for publicity for their own ends. 
His statement, of course, was meant to chill the investigation by constitutional attorney Matt DiPerno, who was collecting donations to help fund a massive investigation into potential voter fraud in Antrim County, Michigan, which leads me to what happened over the weekend. And I guess let's just start with what happened to uh, constitutional attorney Matt DiPerno, who was uh, trying to lead that investigation into what happened in Antrim County. What is he now? What did he? What happened over the weekend to him? Uh, well, I, I mean, I think going back to the to to the 2020 election, he was always the one out front. Um, I think he we had seen, of course, in Antrim County that there was a, a 6,000 vote discrepancy, and they claimed it was a computer error, uh, actually clerical error, that indeed had uh, 6,000 additional votes that went to uh, uh, to Biden uh, in a very very Republican conservative area. And they, when that was questioned, they came back and said, "Oh yeah, there was an error. Those were meant to all be for Trump." And so the further investigation, the Dominion machines and others followed. And we've seen that throughout the country. But he just kind of became that spokesperson along with Christina Caramo, the Secretary of State candidate, who was at the TCF Center uh, during the uh, the boarding up of the windows, as many people saw, as the Democrats uh, con- completely controlled the counting of the votes. Uh, They would not allow poll challengers to even be within six feet of being able to see or witness anything. Um, The the, uh, machines were hooked to the internet uh, by power cords, which was obvious. Uh, And there were just, it just was one thing after another, ballots being delivered through the back door, the same shutdown that happened throughout the other country in the middle of the night, and, and huge votes that changed and turned and additional votes that got counted. And so I think we're getting more and more to the bottom of that as we go forward. Uh, but these two people have fought for the last two years. And I think the first thing that happened was the establishment uh, denied it because that's what they do. And I think it was out of ignorance. I don't think it was because they don't uh, they don't want to find the truth. I truly believe that they thought that these were the traditional angry uh, people who lost, uh, who are simply complaining and we know that in grassroots, you have real activists and angry people who are angry at the right and the left, and everybody needs thrown out. And, and, I, I, and that's the mistake that I believe is happening all over America right now, is I believe that they are trying to lump in all of these regular, normal Americans, freedom-loving Christian Americans who are recognizing something is wrong with the system. Something is wrong in our elections. Something is wrong with the power and the control over us individually. And they are rising up to get involved in the process. They are not considering themselves as political people. So what happened in Michigan was these people stepped up and they became, uh, you know, delegates at our county and then state convention. They are the people to vote for uh, those that are going to be uh, on the ballot in November at the state level. And that was the first time that's been done in Michigan, that the delegates make that decision, not just in a primary election in August. And so it was assumed that, uh, that, that as the establishment would say, the cooler heads would prevail and they would choose the delegates that lead these counties. And as they came to convention, that they would uh, overthrow this. They, in each of the cases, they put up two candidates and addition, uh, against these grassroots candidates so that they could split the vote enough in their minds to get below 50%, then they could coalesce their people behind and take control. And they truly believe they would prevail. And what usually happens after that is they tell everybody to fall in line and get behind uh, the leadership, as they call it. Um, And this year, they were just completely mistaken because we overran 
the county conventions, we had uh, literally hundreds of people show up uh, to be elevated to voting delegates all across Michigan. And so of the 2,000 people that became delegates there, we knew we had hundreds and hundreds that the establishment had never seen before. And they literally went to convention and they just defied all odds all the way down the ticket, uh, not just with the attorney general. But, of course, the secretary of state, Christina Caramo, got 67 percent of the vote oh in the first ballot. Oh, uh, that's amazing. Unbelievable number. Yeah, let me just underscore, because I didn't really make it clear. Christina Karama, as you said, was uh, at the TF Center when they were counting votes. She is now the candidate for Secretary of State. And Matt DiPerno, the attorney who was doing the investigating of the fraud, the election, the machine fraud and all of that that happened in um, uh, Atrium County, uh, is now the Attorney General nominee uh, for the Republicans. Now, the Democrats and also the establishment are going to say, and I think they already are, Ron, that uh, there's no way they can win in the general. No way they can win, that the Republicans are going to lose. What, what's your analysis of that? Well, it's the same thing that they've been saying. They didn't think they could win at the state convention level. They didn't think they had a chance. Um, and, and I knew Christina Caramo didn't have 2% name recognition a year and a half ago by anybody. And uh, Tom Leonard was not only the Speaker of the House that won the statewide race, lost the Attorney General race against Dana Nessel by three points, and they put him back up again. And he was backed by every party person, two-thirds of the prosecutors across the state. They could not have spent more money, more PAC money, to get this man elected. And he went down a defeat. He couldn't win in a three-way race, and he certainly didn't win in a two-way race. And in the final ballot numbers, it was 54% for DiPerno to uh, 46 for Tom Leonard, who, again, had all the money and all of the momentum and all of the establishment behind him. And so uh, the people are speaking up and they're standing up. And what we see now is election integrity is still one of the top two issues affecting all Americans right now. They want answers and they want to know that we're going to have secure elections going forward. They know that if they elect Christina Caramo, that the Secretary of State is not going to break the law. They're not going to mail uh, uh, or un, uh, absentee applications, which she sent uh, to, to 7.7 million Michiganders that weren't requested. She defied the ability to, to double-check signatures from the applications to the ballots. She literally broke so many Michigan laws, these drop boxes that were uh, were in excess and obviously utilized the Zuckerberg money. And so this Soros-backed candidate who came into office in 2018 needs to be defeated or we do not have a chance in 2024. The people understand this, but the establishment still doesn't get it. Same story with the attorney general. We know that there will be investigations specifically into what took place, what this attorney general stood for, uh, refusing to look into 8,000 deaths in nursing homes entirely, but was willing to arrest a uh, Polish immigrant who was a business owner who dared to open her business uh, during the COVID lockdowns and haul her across the state into jail, but would not look into 8,000 deaths of Michiganders. We need an attorney general that's going to uphold Michigan law from elections all the way down to our individual rights and liberties that are in our Constitution. Ron, there's no question that under your leadership and that you have a lot of friends in Michigan who are working hard and organizing and just pouring their pouring themselves into trying to pull back the terrible things that have happened in Michigan and in this country. But simply put, simply put, how did you do that at the state convention? People are not in the political circles. They don't understand the words, the language, the lingo. How did you grassroots 
take over that convention? What did you do? Well, let's uh, realize that all grassroots are uh, have to be local, meaning we have to have people rising up in their own communities. This isn't can't it can't be a grassroots grassroots broad effort. Originally, we were founded. We were a Facebook group, and we were just not identified where we lived, or we, we, you know, we weren't we weren't together, unified in an area. So we began a clear effort in the beginning of 2021 to establish county chapters, where we would get into who represents us at the school board level, who's there at the county commission level, who is there at the township level, and those are the people we need to identify. Are they truly conservative candidates, or did they have to run under the R label in order to get elected? And what in Michigan is 70 out of the 83 counties voted for freedom and liberty and for President Trump. Only 13 counties voted for Biden in a 2020 election, which means that yet you look down through the lower ballot area and we are full of liberals that actually control our school boards and control those because they have to run as a Republican to get elected in those areas. And isn't that they are somebody different than what we think they are? They always have been the liberal people that we elected. It's just because we vote straight ticket that we don't identify who these people are. So we organize at a local level. And so we encourage people to become precinct delegates. There are so many precincts across America that do not even have Republican delegates identified. And because we have more precincts by far around Michigan that are, uh, that are, that are uh, conservative by nature, we need to make sure that we do have conservatives that are our precinct delegates because they do vote at these state conventions and yeah. it's vital for us to be able to continue with that yes and uh in the very 30 seconds that we have uh, i as i will say as i always say you have to get prepared for these primaries you have to know who you're voting for you can't just take president trump's word for it either as he's right on a lot of things but not on all these candidates so you need to look at voter guides and you need to sign up as poll workers as paid poll workers Uh, And you need to also support people that support election integrity. Uh, Michigan has just done an incredible job. And Ron, uh, congratulations to you and Stand Up Michigan and all of your friends and my friends uh, who have just been working steadfastly to take back the state of Michigan. I know it's been hard work, and so far the work has paid off. So we'll be following this and following up with you and cheering you on. Ron Armstrong, thank you so much. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. AFR Talk.